Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Oh, let's, let's make some affirmations. Um, when I point to me, I say it. When I point to you, you say it. Um, I am blessed. I am a blessing. I am. I am is the highest affirmation. You want to ascend up to it. Uh, yeah, what you're talking about, Eddie, is when we do the, uh, we used to do a um, monthly event. And uh, I, we've kind of gotten out of the habit of doing that. But I'm glad you mentioned that because I've, I've actually thought about that too. An event was, what he's talking about is we one time we went down to the little White House in uh, Warm Springs, Georgia, and we went to Eben, uh, Ebenezer Baptist and the and uh, the Carter Center, and um, so yes, thanks. I've actually been thinking about that as well. Um, I am peaceful. I am peace. I am. Um, I am whole. I am wholeness. I am. I am healed I am health I am um, I am awake I am wakening I am I am alive I am life I am beautiful give me about uh, three meditation breaths before I get into the word we're gonna go in through the nose hold it out through the mouth uh, let's go in, hold, wherever you are, sit up straight, inhale, exhale, give me a couple more, in, out, I love combining the affirmations with the, um, with the breath work. All right. Speaking of the atmosphere, let there be light. I declare the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach liberty to the captives. Uh, three quick things I want to share with you this morning. Uh, verses of scripture. Uh, and Eddie, I read your, um, I read what you wrote this morning about reading the Bible. And I, I agree with you. I mean, it has to be rightly divided. <clears throat> um, he was saying that sometimes, well, you just go to his page, you read it. And um, I agree. That being said, I want to bring up three verses of scripture to you that are just strong in my spirit today. Uh, the first one, and there's certain things about verses of scripture that sometimes there'll be um, a little phrase after the phrase that that's the thing that really captures my attention. And in Isaiah 43, in verse 19, it's where the prophet says, I never say God said, I said the prophet said God said. You have to discern if you believe that's the word of God or not. And the prophets would back me up on that. Even in the New Testament, Paul said the prophecy had to be judged. So you, you never just read the Bible and take it at face value. You always have to remember it is divine and human. 
which is why it has to be rightly divided. And if you don't separate the human from the divine, it becomes toxic. Uh, the, the letter kills, the spirit gives life. But in uh, Isaiah the prophet says for God, speaking for God, uh, in what we have is chapter 43, he says, behold or see, I do a new thing or I am doing a new thing. Um, some translation says, I will do a new thing. But the phrase after the phrase is, like in the King James, it says, Behold, I do a new thing, comma, shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? And then he goes on to say, I w I'm waking uh, ways in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And I Isaiah 43 is very cool. There's a lot of, a lot of good prophetic energy on it. Um, several verses in there make, make for really good just like little scriptural vitamin B12 shots. And, uh, but particularly, he says, Behold, I do a new thing. Will you not know it? In the uh, internet, NIV, New International Version, it says, I am doing a new thing, comma, will you not perceive it? And, you know, I talk a lot about perception, and perception's important. But, um, the implication there for me is that sometimes something new comes and it goes right by you because you're in a certain mindset. Like, like even last night, I was looking at, um, like I've got iPhone and um, I forget which one I've got. What do I have, Ken? I've got the, I never can remember. Um, and there's a, there was a new download for uh, software. And every time you do that, it kind of changes things around. It changes the look of it. There's, you know, some things appear bigger, some things move over. And this cut nearly happens every time there's a new, you know, something new. Because I'm used to doing it a certain way. 13 Pro. Thank you, babe. Um, so I, I guess all iPhone people have that. I see it, 13 Pro. 13 Pro Max, is that what? No, I don't think I have the Max. The Max is the big one, right? Anyway, um, so every time you download it, some things change. And it takes you a minute, especially if you are if you use it a lot, if, you use, if you're online a lot. Uh, I have been known to say, when a thing changes, to say, oh, you know what? I wish they would just leave this alone. I, I know where everything is. I know how everything works. And now they, with this new software, I've got to relearn the thing. And every time, two days later, I will um, um, look at it and think, wow, I love these new changes. It takes a minute. You know, your instinct is to fight the new. And then when you realize the new is inevitable, you just have to get on board with it. And then if you change your attitude, you're like, wow, you know what? Uh, oh, cool. Thank you, Leslie. I remember. Um, yes, now it springs forth. Yes, exactly. But um, it takes a minute to get used to it. And then you're like, wow, the new really is better. I remember this was however many years ago. Um, this is back <laughs> this actually started back when 
I really, really needed it. And I need it now, but I don't, I don't need, need it like I did at the time. And, uh, hey, Jody, um, Ernie Navery started sending me uh, just a particular offering on the 15th of the month. And they, they're just, they've been faithful for years to do that. And, uh, you know, there was a time I'm like, come on, 15th. Now it's like, wow, it's a really, it's, it's, it's helpful. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, I appreciate it. And to them, it's covenant. Oh, okay, Kathy, cool. It's, it's about to get better. And I remember the first time, this is before I'd used any of the cash apps. And certainly long before I'd ever had any uh, nonsense with PayPal, which, you know, I won't make you relive all of that. But um, the first time Avery sent me an offering, she sent it on PayPal, and I'd never used it before. And it was just kind of like, oh, man, how does this thing work? And it was just, it was, um, you know what, I'm going to move back just a little bit clouds are playing with me I'm not you're not stopping me okay there we are um, so uh, she sent me the thing and I remember as I'm trying to make it work I'm thinking gee whiz Avery just mail me a check give it to me next time you see me and then once I got the hang of it I'm like wow PayPal's awesome and that was before Cash App and Venmo and all that. Now, I can't imagine what I'd do without them. Uh, you know, now, like, when I sell a painting or, uh, like, I sent I sent an offering to somebody this week. Uh, I sent an offering last week to somebody through Metron. And it's, it's so much easier than calling them, asking what their uh, address is. And uh, plus, it's immediate. You know, you can, you can get it immediately. But it was one of those things that, you know, I'm not saying I fought it, but at first it was like, oh, here's just one more tech aggravation that I don't know how this works. Now, uh, you ask me, <laughs> you know, which one of the cash apps you've had. I'm like, baby, I got them all. If there's a new one, I got it. I even got the uh, Zelle that you can give directly into, uh, into the account. And it's wonderful. And the thing is, is you have to perceive when something new comes and understand that the new thing is for your benefit. It's very easy as you get older to resist change uh, because you just, you know, it's a cliche to say you get set in your ways, but you do. And sometimes a new thing will come along and it's it sort of knocks you off balance a little bit and makes you have to rethink, reimagine, rediscover. And sometimes it's the best thing for your brain. Uh, because, I mean, um, ne neurologists have even said things like as simple as, like if you're a man shaving your face, sometimes, because there's a way that you do it, and uh, sometimes just going to the other side of your face helps open new neuropaths in your brain, just because your brain has a tendency to want to get um, solidified. So... Um, Yeah, and you have you have yeah you definitely got you definitely got a hold of that, Ed, and it's awesome. But um, um, when your brain gets petrified, it starts affecting all of your body, 
And um, even if change challenges your comfort zone, you have to lean into it. And so when the prophet says, behold, I do a new thing, shall you not know it? Like, I think the reason there are 40,000 something uh, different Christian denominations is every time somebody came up with something new, a new approach to the scriptures, another group said, that ain't the way we do it. And so that's why they just kept uh, starting so many denominations, which to me is, is the thing that really invalidates traditional Christianity more than anything else. And I know there's, there's divisions in Judaism and Islam, but not like there is in Christianity. I mean, Christianity is unbelievably fractioned. Fra or, uh, yeah, uh, fractured, fractured and fractured. Um, unfortunately, when a change is just anger, is, is motivated by anger, it doesn't necessarily reveal Christ in you. It just, it just makes, like one group comes out of another group and they start the new thing, but then they crystallize around the way things are done in their new group. Like they're, you know, this new group's not doing it the way the other new group did it. And so that's why, you know, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you don't know which way the wind blows. In other words, the Spirit of God is always moving you in another direction. So that's the first thing I want to leave with you. When when there when spirit or source or God, whatever whatever your definition of a higher power is, when when that entity begins to do a new thing with you, it's not just enough that uh, the new thing occurs or is birth. You have to know it. You have to perceive it. You have to understand I'm through the looking glass with this thing and I can't I, this uh, a certain ideology has changed and I can't um, I can't go back. I can't and I'm overdoing the metaphors here, but I can't put that genie back in the bottle. Second thing uh, that's in my spirit is um, uh, it's in and I'm, I'm just going to go in chronological order. These are just the these are just the words that are in my at the top of my spirit today. Um, it's Mark chapter seven. And the story begins. It's it's like the the Pharisees were like trolls. You know, they just it, it, it nearly appears in some of the gospel stories that they just stood there and and watched Jesus and his disciples do everything and just waited to pounce on the next thing they did that the Pharisees found um, uh, objectionable. Um, when when somebody says to me. I don't believe in inclusion. My first thought is, well, I guess you're a Pharisee because a Pharisee, the, the term means separatist. So the opposite of inclusion in the, in the uh, secular world is exclusion. In the, in the spiritual world or the ecclesiastical world, the opposite of inclusion is Phariseeism. Uh, Phariseeism is when you say, my God's better than your God. My way of understanding God is superior to your way of understanding God. My interpretation of the scripture is right and your interpretation of the scripture is wrong. Like, like Pharisees never say namaste. Namaste is that which is sacred in me 
honors that which is sacred in you. Phariseeism says, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm sacred and you're uh, secular. I'm holy and you're vile. And you'll find that um, nugget somewhere. I'm not saying all denominational people are this way, but the very fact that you join a, an organization that's tried to organize God implies that you think the other ones are wrong. It just does. So um, in, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus and his disciples are eating, and it says the Pharisees were criticizing the way they washed their hands. Now, you have to understand what they're talking about there is not washing your hands before dinner like for uh, sanitary reasons. There was a whole, it had to do with kosher food and a whole thing. Like in the, in the temple, there would be, like in temple worship, there'd be like 14 pages of documents about how to wash the cups. And, and it reminded me uh, very much uh, when I was seeing the, um, uh, the queen's funeral. Um, you know, there's so much symbolism there at the end, especially when the man takes the crown off the casket and hands it very carefully to the other guy. Of course, I'm looking at it because I just watched a documentary about how in there's no it, the the jewels in that one crown alone are there's no way to value them. They're so they're so uh, there's invaluable. And you know, I'm looking at that guy, like, man. Please don't drop that thing. That would just be the worst thing in the world, you know, if he drops it. But there's a whole ceremony to it, and it's beautiful. I'm not criticizing that. I'm saying that's that was very that was like what temple worship was like. There was a way you did everything, and Jesus just he's like a bull in a china shop. He just came through all of that and and said you're you're. He would say things like you're straining at gnats and swallowing camels, and you're. You're fixating on the wrong thing, and uh, he just was triggering them all the time. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about when I was talking about misunderstanding the text, how uh, Jesus and his disciples were walking through the field and they ate. You know, they were eating from the crops, and the Pharisee says, "You're not doing it right." Jesus not only defended it, what they were doing, he says. It was unlawful to eat the showbread in the temple, but David and his men, when they were hungry, they came back from uh, uh, eating the um, from hunting and they ate the showbread because they were, they were hungry. And that's when he says, uh, "The Sabbath isn't made man isn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man." In other words, you've got it way wrong because you're fixating on how to wash hands. And again, this wasn't about just washing hands as you would think like using a hand sanitizer this was a whole ritual of uh of the way you eat it's interesting we're watching this series right now on um i think it's on hulu yeah it's on hulu and it may not be everybody's cup of tea but it's with it's uh it's with um stephen uh Carell. steve Carell. And he, it's called the patient, and it's—I um, uh, mean, it's dark. It's—it's it's very dark. But what's interesting is, I, I won't give you any spoiler alerts. But while he's dealing with a terrible—the bottom line is he's treating a serial killer, and the serial killer chains him up in his basement to make him do therapy on him. And it's really—it's very interesting. It's kind of like. Uh, 
it's it's the kind of the theory of the Stephen King misery, but it's on steroids. But the point is, he plays a Jewish character, and you can tell through these flashbacks that he's got his own things to deal with, and he his he was married to a woman who was a cantor in the temple, and one of their son his they have a son and a daughter. His sons became his son became Orthodox, which meant um, like if you've ever been. I don't, I've never seen them here in Atlanta, but if you go to New York, you see the, the men with the big black hats and they have the, the curly uh, hair that comes down. The, that's uh, orthodox. And um, so they can't, they have to bring their own food because they observe dietary laws, which, you know, according to the New Testament, if you read Acts chapter 10, the sheep came down out of heaven and Peter saw it and Jesus said, eat all this stuff. All this stuff Moses tell you, told you not to eat, I'm telling you to kill and eat it. And Peter gets Peter gets Peter's more saved than Jesus. Peter says, "My lips shall never touch those things." And, and Jesus says to him in the vision, "Don't call unclean what I've called clean." And if you think that Moses' law was the word of God, that's going to be a very disorienting thing to hear, because you you know you've been trained to think, "No, you did you did say that was unclean." Like, no, Moses said that was unclean. That's why, I mean, this tapered off a few years ago, but uh, the first few years after I came out, people, they cut and pasted uh, three or four verses of scripture to me so many times that it just became humorous. And most of them were out of Leviticus. And I would think, you know, you're not living by Levitical law, and uh, but you want me to observe Levitical law. It's really interesting. Anyway, um, so... Um, the Pharisees, they, they go after Jesus saying they didn't wash their hands right, they're not eating right. And I'm sure Jesus would be like, seriously, do y'all ever stop for a minute? If, if the Pharisees had had the internet, they would have just been blogging all day long about Jesus and his disciples. Because everything Jesus did just irritated them. And sometimes it nearly seems like Jesus picked a fight with them. Because he would say things like... Uh, you know, he'd talk about Abraham, and they would say, well, how do you know about Abraham? You're not even uh, 50 years old. And Jesus said, uh, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, you can't say that to a bunch of Pharisees. They're going to they're gonna want to kill you, which, you know, technically they did. So um, he rebukes them, and then he brings up this other thing. I'm not going to try to explain it, but it's a way... It's a way that people with the law could manipulate getting a, an inheritance from their parents and and not taking care of them. It's a, it's a word called korban. And uh, Jesus says you use, because you, you're so legalistic, you use, you, you don't do the right thing because you get off on a technicality because you don't know the spirit. You only know the letter of the law. And But he says this very interesting thing I'm gonna say it's verse 13 or verse 14 I can't remember but um, but he says you have made the word of no effect by your traditions or what some translations say your traditions have made the word of none effect meaning and tradition in its purest sense is a beautiful thing um, I mean I was even thinking yesterday and I'm not one of these to rush Christmas, but I was thinking about, well, it's about to be October. 
I was thinking about when I, if I was going to put up my tree up this year and if I was going to do it differently. Because last year I didn't do the Atlanta tree. I did all black, white, and red, and silver, and it looked really cool. And so I thought maybe I'll do two trees. And, you know, those are cool traditions. There's nothing wrong with that. Or if you're used to doing a certain thing, like we have a, uh, Ken and I, we, we are in a certain routine. Uh, you know, he has uh, uniforms he has to wa wash for his work. So we always do the laundry on Sunday afternoon after I get through teaching, before we go take dinner to my mom's. We've been doing that for years. And so we, part of the tradition is when we're standing there folding the laundry, I always say, it's always Sunday. Like, it feels like we just did this 10 minutes ago. Those traditions aren't bad. That's a part of, that's in a relationship where you just like, this is the way we do it. And this is, you know, we're kind of in a, that's not a rut. That's a, that's just a groove. Those are little things that make relationships special. The little traditions that you have with somebody. What Jesus was talking about is when you, you, you use the Bible. Well, he didn't, they didn't have Bibles, but you use the scriptures, um, Oh, really, Constance? Yeah, that is, that's a little early, but whatever. Um, my feeling on Christmas stuff is, you know, I don't judge you. If you want to leave it up all year, that's, that's on you. Um, but, um, um, it's when your tradition, the, the, well, like, um, in 2 Corinthians 3 6, where King James says, uh, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. In the International Standard Version, it says, the written word kills, but the Spirit gives life. Meaning, once you write it down and solidify it, you you got to really make sure you keep the life of the Spirit in it. Because just because it was said at that time doesn't mean it's become a law and a commandment for all time. And Jesus comes along and says, look, I'm just going to give you two laws uh, to deal with, and they're already written on your heart. Love God with all of your heart. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So... The first thing is, a new thing may be in your life, shall you not know it. In other words, perceive it. Don't fight the change. The second thing is, don't let your tradition make the word of none effect. When I see the way modern evangelical churches are becoming more and more uh, political party and really embracing, I mean, I've seen footage now of some worship services where they're beginning to sing QAnon songs and it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen like oh my god how do you how is this happening how how has that much deception fallen over you, all over you um, it's unbelievable and they think they think it's you know, it's like a new it's a facsimile of Christianity that has nothing to do with who Jesus actually was or anything that Jesus actually said and I'm looking at that thinking, how how are people that gullible that you think, I mean, you think that stuff is real? And um, like even this new, my, the new wallpaper I have uh, speaking on, on my phone, it's really cool because it shows, uh, it, it, it shows the uh, Western Hemisphere. And if you click on um, your location, there's a bright light where you're, where you live, but the globe, like when I got up this morning, the, the part of the globe that would have been California was still dark. 
And now when I look at it, it's, it's lighting up. And I think, how in the world could people believe that the earth is flat? I mean, it's so, I mean, there's pictures of, of other planets and, and the earth, the photos taken from the moon. I mean, I've flown internationally where you can see the curve of the Earth. I remember flying one time over across the ocean, and we left around sunset. And the way the Earth, the way the plane was following the curve of the Earth, the sunset took about eight hours. It was really, it was very cool. And and yet, there's all these people, these homeschoolers that believe the Earth is flat because the. Um, the reason they believe it is because the Bible says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. And they, this whole thing, they believe it's a government conspiracy that Donald Trump's in on. And, and if he were to tell the truth, the government would kill him. I'm like, if the earth was actually flat, what, what would be the point of keeping that a secret? I mean, like, you're, you're, you're really moving from just legalism into dementia. I mean, that's... That's just demented. Um, but I'm looking at that and thinking, why? how are they being that gullible? And I, I think it's because there's things in the world, things in culture, things in society that are changing. And people who are solidified in a certain ideology just cannot embrace it. They can't accept change. Um, yeah, Judah went to this thing. I don't think you mind me telling this. He gets invited to some things I don't get invited to now, which is fine. And uh, but he went to this. Um, it was a a minister's um, organization, and it's good he was there because he was able to speak some sanity to them. But he uh, he they, he was talking about how their whole thing is about dealing with. Uh, trans people like they're just freaked out about it and he said he had some things to say about it and and you know and and judah's much more conservative than i am so it's it's not like we're not totally on the same page about certain things and if he watches that he would agree with me and we, we agree to disagree on some things but um uh he said they were so fixated on trans people it, it was nearly like i felt like gay people were mainstream now it's like nobody <laughs> like people look at that and go oh, yeah yeah well that's 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 no big deal well it's because when change comes along and you realize people define things differently and it is complicated and i don't assume to understand it all either it's just that people have a tendency to think the world's changing too much we need to you know pull the bow back we need to you know, we need to get a grip and we need to get back to Bible ways. Well, it's like when I've ever, anytime I ever perform a same-sex marriage, I will always say, um, many people will say, we need to get back. This is not biblical. I said, I think the word they're looking for is traditional because if you want biblical marriage was a man having a harem and buying and selling wives. Solomon had 700 and 300 concubines. Moses said, if your daughter is raped, uh, she's she's uh, spoiled, so you could sell her to the rapist for a reduced price. So if you want biblical marriage, biblical marriage means when your wife's on her menstrual cycle, she needs to sleep in the garage. Because according to Moses' law, when a, that time of the month, a woman had to be put in... The Moses' law was so misogynistic that it said when a, it's that time of the month, 
She needs to be put out of the camp. Put out of the camp. Like, can you imagine? I mean, that's got to be, oh, Lord. And, um, and, you know, even when you read the history of the abolitionist movement in this country, you, you read what, what men in pulpits were saying about it, and it's like deja vu. It is deja vu. Uh, even, and this is, this is the one I can't get my head around at all, there were even African-American preachers who were against abolition because the Bible says if you have a disobedient slave, uh, beat them with many stripes. So they were saying, even even some black pastors were saying, we can't do away with slavery because it's biblical and it's a slippery slope. And if you give, you know, if, if you do away with that, then what's the next thing? We're gonna, so... Um, that's why, you know, over the years I've been invited to go do debates about uh, about what the Bible says about uh, same-sex relationships. And I always opt out of them because, to me, it, there's nothing to talk about. The Bible promotes buying and selling women. Even when, even when a father walks his daughter down the aisle, people use, still use the term giving her away, meaning I'm not selling her to this guy as I normally would. I'm going to give her away. Like she's, she's a gift to him. Like, wow, that's deep. If you want to say, I want to walk her down the aisle or escort her, that's fine. But for God's sake, don't think of your daughter as property. She's not a thing to be given to somebody. She's a person. Uh, giving her away had to do with arranged marriages and, and women who had no say in who they were going to marry. So, um, uh, but um, when when people start seeing changes, uh, it rattles their cage. And a lot of times in ecclesiastical world, they want to run back to what what they perceive the Bible says. And indeed, that is what the Bible says. I mean, it is. Like I <laughs> this uh, uh, Jacob Wright. I've never met him, but I've. I sent him an offering recently, and um, I share a lot of his stuff. And um, he's been posting these cartoons, like the, of drawings of Moses' law, like how absurd some of the things were. I mean, it's it's a trip when you see it, <laughs> when you see it illustrated, and you're like, wow. According to Moses, everybody was getting stoned and hands lopped off and. It's just it was it's horrifying if they really made um, uh, like a Netflix series about Moses law it would it would have to be they'd have to have so many disclaimers about it. it would be it would be way more violent and horrible than American Horror Story any of that kind of torture porn I mean it was just it was just horrible you go back and read it Moses, I mean, everybody was getting mutilated for something. Um, just un unbelievable stuff. And yet, because people are afraid of change, they want to go back and, and kind of straighten everybody out. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God keeps moving people into the future, which brings me to the third thing. Uh, first thing is, behold, I do a new thing, shall you not know it? The second thing is, you make 
your traditions make the word of no effect. In other words, um, <laughs> Ed's got jokes. That's a good one. Um, meaning the word of God will work for you, but not if it's being filtered through the traditions of man. It just the traditions of hum, human people with their prejudices just it just sucks the life out of the word. Like in like when I read if I go online and I see somebody was they begin a statement with the Bible clearly says I'm like oh here we go. First of all, no, it probably doesn't clearly say, and whatever you're about to say, I could probably give you ten verses that would refute that. But you're about to you're about to lecture somebody with that. I mean, the Bible clearly says there's there's about to be some pontification there. The third thing is, and this is the this is where the life is today, is in John chapter four, when Jesus, I mean, he is just John chapter four is him with the woman at the well and he's just walking all over convention i mean he jesus takes the in john chapter four he takes the um uh playbook and just rips it up because he's in a he's um in samaria where the jews didn't even speak to those people he's talking to a woman in public that he doesn't know which was scandalous she tells him her life story. He says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you've well said you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And on the heels of that says, uh, and the father is looking for people like you. What? What do you mean the father's looking for people like her? That, that, woman's, that woman's kind of a skank. And he says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Change reveals truth. Lies foster or fester in, um, in untruths. The truth makes you free. And he says, this woman just told her truth without, not only was she not ashamed of it, she goes into the next town and says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. There was, when Jesus says you've lived with five men, he wasn't accusing her. He wasn't even, he didn't even make a judgment call about it. He said, he says, you've well said, because he said, if anybody, he's basically saying, if anybody knows about husbands, it's you girl, because you've had plenty. Um, but he says, this is the whole thing. Here's the, here's the payoff for everything I've said. Because in that discourse, she says, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Go read it for yourself. It's John chapter 4. And she says, Our father worshipped in this mountain, and you, and you, you guys worship in uh, Jerusalem. And Jesus says this. He says, uh, The time is coming, comma, and now is when the true worshipers will worship him in this mountain of spirit and truth. But the, the main thing I want to leave with you when he says, the time is coming and now is. I want to say this to you prophetically. Change is coming. Change is coming to you. The time is coming, comma, and now is. In other words, I could say it this way. The future is now. This is why you have to stay flexible you have to learn to go with the flow. You can't let yourself become rigid. 
You can't be afraid of tomorrow. You can't get locked into a system. Um, you can't. You can't just accept the definitions that have been um, uh, conferred upon you by society or by the church or by your parents or by your ancestors or by any like the the time is coming comma and now is listen to me the time is coming and now is the future is now change is now the spirit is moving now god is in the now god is the i am your i amness his i amness mirrored in you is your way your truth and your life you are exactly where you're supposed to be if you're living in the past and i'm talking about if you're living in just 24 hours ago you're not in the now the time is coming and now is meaning everything that was is everything that is coming is you see that in ecclesiastes 3:15 that which is now already has been and that which is to come already already is so you have to live in the is you hear me another form of i am is he is his his isness his his amness i'm 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 uh, wow thank you pam i appreciate that beautiful uh the um the spirit of the now the power of the now is something you have to constantly hold on to because as soon as you try to lock it in and say this is the way i live this is the way i am there's already a new change the real you the real spirit of you is constantly evolving I'm saying this prophetically I think there's sometimes there's sickness that manifests in your body because your mind isn't in the now I said it I think there are things that are not manifesting in your finances because your mind is not in the now I think there are relationships that are not happening because your mind is not in the now the now is where the I am is they that come to God must believe that he is not was he is don't make me speak in tongues up here on this roof when Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration he had Moses and Elijah with him and Moses didn't have any tablets in his hand but even Moses knew that the law was done away with God was in the now God is revealed by the Spirit the Spirit is a river the Spirit is a rushing mighty wind the Spirit is life the flesh profits nothing but the words that Spirit speaks are spirit and life the day listen to me <laughs> go ahead speaking to me. <laughs> The day you stop living in the now is the day you stop, you start dying. I'm going to say it again. The day you stop living in the now, always longing for what was, always remembering the good old days and not, not discerning where you are now, 
is the day your body starts dying, your memory starts dying, you start going retro. I, honestly, I believe if people can learn to live in the now, and I'm saying this to myself because, you know, I didn't just get here. But I think if people learn to really live in the now, I think we'd stop dying. I think we would stop aging. I think we would, because, you know, they they keep telling us, medical. the medical world keeps saying, your cells are, are uh, regenerating constantly. We're not even sure why people age. It's gotta be, it's gotta be something that's coming from the inside out. It's not biological. And um, so you have to get in the now, but just remember this all day long. I want you to, if you don't remember anything else I said, I want you to remember these words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 4, these three words. He says, the time is coming and now is. Hebrews 11.1 1 begins, now faith is. The time is coming and now is. I call your mind into the now. I call your thoughts into the now. I call your spirit into into the now. I call your body into the now. I call your experiences into the now. I call your emotions into the now. I call your life into the now. I call every decision that you make into the now. Forgetting those things which are behind. Live in the now. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Um, remember, next Sunday, we'll be in the theater, 11 a.m. Chelsea Shag's going to be there. It's going to be awesome. If you want to give to the ministry, go to Bish in the Now, like short for Bishop, bishinthenow.com. Um, did you feel that, Elwood? I'm going to wait for your review. Elwood usually gives me good good feedback. You need a nap after that. <laughs> I don't like to tell people's gifts, but amounts, but Pam got really into it. And just, Pam, did you mean to put that extra one on there? <laughs> it wasn't 11-11. It was 111-11. It's all good. I receive it. Um... Yes, I am energized by it, Kathy. You're crying in the now. Whew. I mean, I'm feeling the... Shoot. I'm feeling the presence of God up here, I'm telling you. Um, the the quickening of the Spirit. Anyway, go to uh, bishinthenow.com. It's super easy. If you want to give to me directly, as some of you already did during the hour, uh, I have all the cash apps. Um... So that was intentional, Pam. Okay, wonderful return on you. Um, wow. Selah. All right. You're going to have a beautiful day. And um, I'll be on tomorrow at 11, 11 p.m. I got mad love for you. Peace. <laughs>